in the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Fifth Element Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this this is what's good. Welcome, 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 one and all, ladies and gentlemen. Hope everybody's had a good week. You know, you know, you know uh, after the last episode, I kind of just made a you know promise to myself that you know I come through to this next episode you know with much brighter spirits, and I think I, I think I've I think I've gotten there. I think I'm there. You know, after after the last episode, you know, I just um, you know, I had, a, had like a couple more days of just feeling there, and then when it got around to like Saturday, Sunday, I started feeling a bit better, and uh, yeah, you know, just personally, I'm feeling okay. It's, it's, it's all good. Um, and uh, yeah, formalities, uh, email, Twitter, IG, uh, and Facebook is all there in the description below. Also, before we begin. The Fifth Element Podcast Network is proud to announce that we have another podcast in our midst, Digging in the Digits, featuring me and my boy Ben Carter of Hip Hop by the Numbers. Be sure to give it a listen and support the network. Uh, as as you, If you listen to this podcast, I urge you to go listen to that one as well. It's very, you know, it's a lot of hip-hop talk, that's basically what it is, and also, you know, um, statistics around the biggest hip-hop names and, you know, and uh, uh, and stories as well. So, uh, we get into a lot of things, and, uh, you know, we're dropping, we've dropped two episodes already by the time this episode of What's Good has come out, there's already two episodes of DITD, so... Be sure to give it a listen. I'll drop a link uh, in the description as well, and uh, hope you guys get into that as well. But let's get into this show, episode twenty-two. What's good? Let's get it. In a week where a lot of lot of stuff going on during this week, a lot of stuff. I have a really stacked show to be fair, uh, more stacked than you know, definitely last week. So you know, uh, I'm putting in the effort. So in a week where Sudan's army removes leader Omar Al Bashir. After 30 years in power, Junior Assange is arrested and taken out of Ecuadorian embassy, facing extradition to the US. Notre Dame Cathedral burns down. You know, a minor thought on that. I'm happy that, you know, people are, you know, fund, you know millionaires and billionaires are funding to, for it to be rebuilt. But I swear, if the UK government puts money into this and they haven't put money into Grenfell, I'm, I'm, this this issue will be readdressed. Uh, trust me on that. Trust me on that. And also, and a big I told you so. Uh, Amazon staff actually listen to customers' Alexa recordings. Report says, so you know, a big I told you so on that one. I I do not talk when an Alexa's in the room, or even a Google Home, or any or like an Apple one. I don't do any of those. Don't not about that life. So if you have one of those in your house, I ain't coming to your house. Okay. And uh, that's just, that's just, I, I told you so, I told you lots so. So, anyway, let's get into the real nitty gritty. Where to begin? Where to begin? We've got a lot, got a lot to talk about. So, let's get, let's get into life because, you know, this story's been on for a while. Um, You know, it's been, this, it's been going since the 11th of April is where the original story dropped. So, as we all know, Revisiting some politics stuff, you know, Theresa May have agreed to uh, 
an October deadline on Halloween. Uh, Tusks warns the UK don't waste this time. This is by Daniel Buffet and Rowena Mason of The Guardian. So uh, just to uh, uh, peep that on the on the fifth element. Britain will remain as a member state of the EU until 31st of October with the option to leave earlier if Theresa May can secure common support for the deal after a Franco-German carve-up of UK's future, uh, carve-up of the UK's future. A marathon six-hour debate amongst EU leaders concluded with the Prime Minister being offered a longer extension than she had sought, uh, sought but providing the new Halloween no-deal cliff edge to focus minds in Westminster, quote, this extension is as flexible as I expected and a little bit shorter than I expected, but it's still enough to find the best possible solution, unquote. The European Council President Donald Tusk uh, told a media conference that began after 2am local time. He said of the ex- extra six months of the EU membership, please do not waste this time. The EU would also hold a symbolic June summit to review the UK's behaviour as a member state following an outspoken intervention by French President Emmanuel Macron about the need to avoid a quote-unquote rogue Britain undermining uh, the European project. Speaking afterwards, Theresa May repeatedly ducked questions about her future as Prime Minister after having previously said she would uh, not accept an extension beyond the 30th of June. She simply insisted the UK, quote, can still leave on May 22nd and not hold those European parliamentary elections if Parliament passes the withdrawal deal. May also once again blamed MPs for being the cause of public frustration over the failure to implement the de- the, the exit. Uh, asked whether she should apologise for UK still being in the EU, she said, quote, Over the last three months I have voted three times to leave the European Union. If, in- if sufficient members of Parliament had voted with me in January, we would already be out of the European Union. Let's put a pin in all this, uh, this, uh, this particular side of it. The Prime Minister will now... Head back to London to give a statement in the House of Commons in the early afternoon during the day. Macron has sought to maintain a uh, maintain the pressure on Britain to act with a quote enhanced duty of sincere cooperation unquote during the extra period of membership following the threats from Brexit. Hmm, nearly said it. Nearly said the word. Nearly said it. Uh, Exiteers, uh, including Jacob Rees-Mogg MP, uh, that the UK could seek to disrupt the bloc from within. There's actually a typo here from Block, B-L-O-C. This would be a K in there, just to, just to shout out. Uh, you know, Guardian gets it wrong as well. Uh, the June summit will be an opportunity to, quote-unquote, take stock, but it's not a cliff edge, John called Juncker said. After the new date was announced, Macron said leaders have found the best possible compromise because the folks of October preserved EU unity, allowed the British more time, and preserved the good functioning of the European Union. Uh, I'll stop there, but it's a very lengthy article, to be completely honest. It's a very, 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 very long, lengthy article. So if you want to peep uh, the rest of it, go on the fifth element and hit the link there. Um, yeah, I wanted to just talk about that a little bit where, you know, Theresa May blamed the MPs for, you know, um, for holding everybody back. And, you know, this this blame pie is kind of everybody, let's be real. So, you know, it's... Um, it's the fault of the MPs of the fact that they, you know, the fact that they gained control of the voting, you know, and they still said no on everything. So basically, we're just they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. They basically span wheels for once again. They were spinning wheels, you know. So uh, they're basically exactly the same as Theresa May. So you know, there's no change there, and that gets me through Theresa May, where you know she spent a good two, three years 
with her own cabinet, uh, you know, including people like David Davis, etc., and they were spinning wheels. So, you know, if it quacks like a duck, you know what I mean? They're all ducks right now. They're all quacking. They're all spinning wheels. They're all not doing anything. They're all just, you know, arguing amongst themselves, you know, maneuvering themselves to, well, in in, in the world, in the... In the conservative space, they're manoeuvring themselves to either support the next, uh, you know, potential prime minister or trying to become the next prime minister. They're already focusing onto that when they haven't even got this all down yet. You know, they're, they're, they're jumping the gun, basically, and that's not on. Now, the blame pie also goes to, you know, people, you know, the public, because we, we the you know, we... We voted for this. We voted for this. So, you know, going back to all them years ago, all them nearly nearly three years now. Wow, this has nearly been three years. That is depressing. Um, you know, we, we started this. Well, David Cameron technically started this. So, you know, we all have a part of the pie here. You know, the blame pie doesn't go to one person. It goes to everybody. It goes to David Cameron for, for dick swinging and for doing this because he thought he was cocky. And then took an L, and then he left, jumped ship, which is the poorest sign of a leader I've ever seen in my life. Um, it goes to Theresa May for wheel spinning and having a crap deal. It goes to the MPs for gaining control and then still not doing anything substantial. And I honestly, if we're talking about you know the overall pie, I would give it to the MPs more than anybody else. But there's also the public as well that voted for this in general. And you know, I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know. The reason why I didn't go for this was because we have much more important matters to attend to. This is a vanity project. Let's let's don't get it twisted. This is a vanity project. This is a project given to given to us by David Cameron, by and also by proxy to you know people on you know from former UKIP people, Nigel Farage kind of people going. You know we need to. The EU's a boogeyman, and they're the reason why you know everything's wrong in our country. No, the the reason why everything's wrong in our country right now is well, a because we're doing this crap, but before then. It was because governmental practice was not on point. The governmental system was not is is still not on point. NHS is still dropping. Is, still needs money. This, this this doesn't change. You know, just because the headlines aren't about the NHS anymore and all about the exit, doesn't mean the NHS still ain't suffering. You know, uh, what else to talk about? Childhood poverty's up. You know, knife crime again. We talk. We 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 can go down that route again. We've been down. We've been down that route. If you've you know joined me for for this uh, for this journey for what's good. So you know, there's a lot of problems that you know aren't being covered because you know the exit is taking up headlines. And just because and you know, this is me talking to you here. Just because you don't see the he- you don't see these headlines, doesn't mean it's not happening still. Okay, so you know, if you if you saw the headlines in the NHS all them years ago, you know, five years ago, they they always needed they always need money. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. The only the only thing that's changed is that we have a bigger matter to attend to. In my mind, a pointless matter to attend to. But here we are, and you know, this is just, and the fact that we have another six months of this is kind of just depressing because. It's just, it's just more. It's, it's gonna be more of the same. I can't, I can't imagine anything different. 
like you know until I see it's it's a it's a show me it's a prove it it's a really a prove it matter where you know if you if you believe in all this you know unity and whatever and you know upholding democracy yada 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 and I don't want to talk about you know uh, 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 politics in that fashion because I'm not you know educated enough in you know what you know the the sta- the staples of democracy and all that and you know if we if we do this is that you know a, sh- a shooting democracy in the leg and I don't want to talk about that because I'm not qualified I don't think so I won't but the fact that we can't find a solution in all this is kind of just silly it really is silly and the fact that they are you know whenever whenever you know I see somebody trying to give or give a different option you know such as revoke article 50 and just forget this ever happened which is kind of my which is my primary you know view of things I just believe that we should just do that because why not <laughs> you know what I mean but then again is that a shot to democracy I don't know you have to tell me so um but you know uh the fact that you know they shoot down every possible avenue and and then they're left with nothing they li- that's literally what they've done all these years all these couple of years they just they just give themselves solutions what about this what about this and then somebody in their you know in their sphere in their circle shuts it down so what what are we to do we're just going to sit on our asses and just uh and just wait till you know uh august or, or september we're, we're going to do that again isn't it it's going to it's going to die down for a couple of months and then it's going to get to around august you know, September time, and then October, and then they're going to be thrashing around, trying to figure something out once again, and then maybe get an extension again, excuse me, get an extension again, I can honestly see this happening, and, you know, I I ask you, can you see anything different happening, because we have a track record, we have a, we can see their track record in the past couple of years, where nothing's happened, nothing substantial anyway, to the point where you know this can this where I can believe it's actually going to go down. So you know if 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 you think they're going to change in six months, I I I I hold skepticism. I hold skepticism honestly about all of this, and I mean that's all I have to say on it. But uh, you know, is just I like to I like to give an update now and again of just where everything's at. You know, on this show in particular because you know it is regardless of how unnecessary I think it is, unfortunately, it is highly necessary. So it is worth talking about now and again. Not every week, because, I mean, I find it exhausting. So <laughs> if I find it exhausting, I don't want to talk about it, you know, every single week. Maybe once a month. That's what I'm trying to do anyway. So, yeah, that's where, that's where we're at. Uh, let's get into some music, actually, uh, talking about this. Uh, so... I don't know if you guys heard about this. So this is a story about Stormzy pulling out of an Austrian festival, actually citing racial profiling. So he basically cancelled his uh, headline slot at snowbombing uh, hours before he was due to go on stage. Uh, this is something I caught on the day, and uh, it was actually, you know, I saw some like Instagram posts by him where he was talking about it, and I just wanted to look up some more and actually get into it. So let's get into this one. It's by Kevin Rollinson, uh, The Guardian. Stormzy had pulled out of his, uh, has pulled out of his headline slot at Snowbombing Festival just hours before he was due to perform after accusing its staff of racially profiling his manager. The Brit award-winning rapper, 25, said his friends had been targeted by security at the event in 
Meerhofen, Austria, on Thursday, looking for someone carrying a weapon, quote, despite no one in their party fitting the description, unquote. Stormzy apologised to his fans, but said he took the drastic steps to make a point about racism and racial profiling, quote, My sincerest apologies to anyone who travelled all that way to watch me perform. I'm genuinely upset that you've wasted your time and money, and that burns me more than you'd know, he wrote on Instagram. The last thing I ever want to do is let people de- uh, let down anyone who's taken time out, uh, taken out, taken time out to support me. So please hear me out. I too would be fuming if I travelled and spent money to go and watch an artist and they pull out at the last minute. However, the uh, if these are the drastic steps I need to take to make a point against racism and racial profiling, then trust me, I am taking it. He said his manager and friends who had travelled to the festival were racially profiled, targeted and aggressively handled because the security had reason to believe someone was carrying a weapon. He added, the security targeted them despite no one fit the description were physically aggressive when handling them and there's been no effort from the festival to actually deal and address the problem. A spokesperson for the festival said that they were deeply saddened by Stormzy's decision but their staff had acted in accordance with protocol, quote-unquote. The spokesperson said, Snowbomb and security were alerted to the possibility that an individual at the festival was allegedly carrying a weapon. In accordance with protocol, a small number of attendees, including Stormzy's manager, were escorted to the nearest exit search and no weapon was found. Stormzy's management were unhappy with the manner by which this took place, and as a result, Stormzy will no longer be performing. The festival, which combines snow sports with a, with a mix of musical styles, features Fatboy Slim and Chasing Stayers on its lineup this year. It is not the first time an artist who is one of the headlines at this year's Glastonbury, uh, Glastonbury Festival has spoken out against instances of racism. In August 2017, he attacked the Met Police for. Uh, I've got to say. Sorry, uh, I messed up the, uh, the scrolling. Um. Where am I? Uh, Glastonbury Festival has spoken out against the incident of racism. In August 2017, he attacked the Met Police for publicly uh, linking a drugs bust in southeast London to the uh, to that year's Notting Hill Carnival. The raid took place shortly before the event, although about 20, uh, 10 miles away. How many drugs did you lot seize in the run-up to Glastonbury? Or are we really doing tweets like this for black events? He wrote on Twitter in response to Scotland Yard's tweet. That January, Stormzy complained that police officers had uh, broken down the door of his Chelsea flat after receiving reports of a suspected burglary, only to find him sleeping in his own home. And in an interview uh, that that March, he said that March, sorry, yeah, uh, he said he had regularly been stopped, regularly been stopped by the police officers near his South London family home. "Quote: It stopped when I stopped walking around uh, on streets, but now I have a nice car, so I get pulled over instead." He told Hunger. So you know this is consistent. This is consistent on Stormzy's side, where he's not tolerating it. And I highly, this is something I highly respect, and I hope that you know other you know music music not just music artists, but you know just anyone in general, if they're like you know. If they're, you know, a speaker or, you know, a guest, uh, a, a guest at a, 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 a festival for like, you know, talking or whatever, you know, just or any interview in some kind, you know, any function. If you're being racially profiled and you believe to be racially profiled, you should leave and you should, you know, do it, do it on principle. The fact that this is not on. I am not taking this, therefore, I'm taking my talents elsewhere. And I highly respect that of Stormzy. And the fact that he's been doing it for a couple of years now, you know, publicly, now he's more mainstream, uh, this is this is a good thing. 
in terms of his response. Um, obviously, it's a bad thing that it keeps happening, but the fact that he responds to responds to it in a no nonsense matter, in a zero tolerance matter, is good. And this force this will force people like you know snow bombing and uh, people you know and and maybe the police, hopefully the police at some point, to fix up. You know, it's it's no point just taking it. You know, what I mean, if you just if you just consider it as a ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, I mean, that's how you see it. If you continue with it, if you just go along with it like it's normal and normalize it for yourself, then they're gonna see it as a it's not broke. Let's not fix it. It's not broke, so there's no point in fixing it. There's nothing to fix. So you have to talk about it. You know, you have to flag it. And the fact that Stormzy is flagging it and is flagging it at any possible point in terms of, you know, racial profiling and, you know, disrespect is good. Is good. Excuse me. Had my um, phone notifications. Um, Yeah, so, you know, all in all, I'm happy the fact that Stormzy is taking this stance, this no-nonsense stance, and I hope other eyes to, you know thinking about doing this because it is worth it i think it's highly necessary for every artist for every person going to a you know being i don't know hired for their services quote unquote you know what i mean if they have if they have things that they don't consider you know on point and you know equality of service then you should you if if you don't have it then you should leave and you should flag it publicly saying this place doesn't you know is doing it wrong and they should fix up and therefore i will leave from this establishment for for whatever reason for the reason i am uh, you know for the reason i'm saying so you know this is is only a quick one but i just wanted to flag up uh, big up stormzy for that because i think that is um you know he's put he's literally putting his money to his mouth is maybe he didn't I don't know if he got paid for snowbombing in advance or didn't get paid for it because he, you know, left, obviously, hours before. But if he didn't, then good, then that's fine because it's about integrity here. It's not about the cash. It doesn't matter. The cash is irrelevant. You know, this is about integrity. This is about respect. This is about treating everyone the same. And, yeah, you know, the fact that he ditched, possibly ditched money for this is good and it's a good and it's a great step in the right direction. Speaking of racism, and uh, <laughs> we're talking about, well, let's get into some film and TV. So, I don't know if... Ah, great, the planes are back. I don't know if you uh, guys have saw, you know, watch Channel 4 often. <clears throat> but um, Jon Snow, who's a, you know, regular um, uh, host of the of the Channel 4 news, uh, recently made some remarks to, uh, uh, you know, like an off-the-cuff remarks during a, uh, during a um, broadcast of Channel 4 News Live. And it, it seemed to it seemed to trigger a certain type of people. So let's get into this. Uh, this is called "The Fury of White People" with Jon Snow uh, shows a total lack of self awareness on race. This is by Miriam Francois. Uh, I've never been. <laughs> this is a quote uh, by Jon Snow. I've never seen so many white people in one place. Ofcom received more than 2,500 complaints about this off-the-cuff remark made by Channel 4 news presenter Jon Snow. While covering last month's pro, uh, the exit uh, demonstration in London, 
The media regulator has this week launched an investigation into his comments. It seems many white people were offended simply by being identified as such. Why might that be? First, white people are not used to being marked out by race, despite habitually racialising others. We generally don't take well to being uh, racialised ourselves. Uh, Obviously, the author, this is white. I'm not white. Acknowledgement, uh, acknowledging our quote-unquote whiteness means accepting our worldview isn't universal nor objective. It is a white perspective forged by a particular experience. The facts of whiteness, to paraphrase France Fanon, make many white people uncomfortable. It's telling that Snow's remark has sparked the more outrage than the fact that a rally held in a city with 40% black and minority ethnic population was also was almost entirely white. Far-right extremist Tommy Robinson addressed, the cra- addressed crowds in Parliament Square and somehow this doesn't raise questions about race. If we weren't so intent on ring-fencing white people from any introspection, white people themselves might legitimately, legitimately ask why the Leave campaign has attracted so many racists and so few people of colour. Standing next to a racist doesn't make you a racist, but not confronting one at a rally being held in your name probably does. Between white is normal and white is right is a very fine line. As is so often the case in discussions about race, appeasing white people's anger at being questioned has taken precedence. Channel 4's hasty apology for Snow's comments only serves to reassure white people that their expectations of double standards are legitimate. In today's Britain, a vital part of the white mythology, as Jacques Derrida uh, once phrased it, is the idea that no one is actually racist. US academic Robin DiAngelo points out that this is because many people still think of racism as a quote as dis, as quote dislike of people because of race unquote rather than a system into which I was socialized. In the invention of the white race, Theodore Allen explains that the white race was a notion created by ruling class in the 17th century America as a means of exerting social control at the time in an indentured servants, both black and white, Africans and poor European brackets, had joined together in a rebellion, much like efforts today to cordon off the white working class from the wider working class, uh, racial categories were used to undermine class-based solidarity, effectively ensuring African Americans would be excluded. In order to justify this division, entire edifices of meaning were constructed. We called on pseudoscience to claim white people were more evolved. Our denial of education and the impoverishment of those we enslaved or later colonised were used as evidence in, of the inferiority of their culture. Today, many of, many of these myths are rehabil- rehabilitated by far-right groups, whose sense of power partly lies in their mission to resurrect an quote-unquote authentic vision of Europe. After all, white supremacy was once the official line. How can we possibly confront this mainstreaming if we, as white people, bulk at even being reminded of our whiteness? For centuries, white people have believed the entire world is ours, and for the best part of the last century, it pretty much was. We have internalised that everything within the world should be subservient to our whims. Of course, you should serve bacon at my hotel in Muslim-majority Morocco. Why don't you speak English in Spain? Your your Filipina nanny expects holiday pay. What do you mean I can't take a picture with that African baby? 
We often believe that white culture alone forged nations of universal rights and justice, which we benevolently shared with the world. We abolish racism out of the goodness of our enlightened hearts, and things like democracy, equality, and art are simply products of our quote-unquote advanced civilization. Whiteness today may not be as visible as it was under systems of apartheid or slavery, is much harder to see in its contemporary incarnation, restrained by race, hate laws, and pesky EU jurisdiction against discrimination. But the intellectual and cultural edifice of whiteness has never truly been dismantled. We're swimming in toxic whiteness, but take offence at anyone pointing it out. Snow's comments, as with so many recent quote-unquote race rows, was a perfect opportunity for an honest conversation about white racial identity, about our complicity in structural racism, no white liberal exceptions, but it remains unclear whether we wish to confront this myth of our co- of colour blindness as a mask for our white privilege, or whether we harbour a more, more or less con- conscious longing for the days when white people's privileges simply couldn't be questioned. We often like to cordon off racism as what bad people do on the fringes, but when white nationalism seeps from the fringes into the mainstream, like, you know, today's world uh, that's that's me talking on primetime radio shows amazon bestseller lists and their figureheads uh, are hired by mainstream parties we must ask ourselves where this traction is coming from and what exactly we're doing about it the conversation around race is always an uncomfortable one and white people myself included are not being used to being uncomfortable are not used to being uncomfortable But the first step is accepting rather obvious facts that yes, some of us are quote-unquote white. Now let's talk frankly about how whiteness is being weaponized. Dr. Miriam Francois, a research associate at the Centre of Islamic Studies, SOAS, University of London, founder of the blog We Need to Talk About Whiteness. So yeah, I wanted to read all of that because it just, you know, it's a lot of, you know, reaffirmation of me for me personally about you know what's going on right now and hopefully you know i'm obviously not white but obviously uh, mr francois what um uh, mr <laughs> miriam francois was uh uh is white and if you if you if you are white and listening to this you know i hope it did something to you you know I'm, I'm not expecting you to just go oh i've seen the light <laughs> you know i mean it obviously it's not that easy it's, it's never that easy you know and i understand that but like i have said many times especially on this show acknowledgement is the first step acknowledgement is the first step and you know i kind of lost a bit of respect for channel four for you know apologizing for Jon Snow's comments because it's just very you know just because so many white people were having this knee-jerk reaction of you know being racialized for the maybe the first maybe for the first time in their lives you know just going how dare how dare you how dare you point us out and you know there, there were black people there there were other races there why are you pointing us, us out this is this is this is discrimination this is discrimination i'm angry about this you know your white rage you know, you can you can say it's you know uh, legitimate, but you're missing the bigger picture. You you're missing the bigger picture. If you if you were offended by you know Jon Snow's comments, you you need to <laughs> you need to recognize that you are not a you know white people. You know, 
No, no race is a monolith. No race is a monolith. You know, that's another thing we need to understand, you know, especially when it comes to stereotyping about other races. You know, Middle Eastern people are not a monolith. They're not all Islamic, you know. You know, they're not all... Uh, they're not all uh, terrorists. Black people, not all black people eat chicken. You know, this, this is a, this, these are the things that you know you can stereotype. And yes, it, it also applies to white people as well. White people and the white and you know the race of Caucasian people, and you know Europeans and North Americans. You know, and and Australians. Uh, some some Australian, most Australians. Y- you guys aren't a monolith, and. I personally understand that, but, but, you need to understand that, <laughs> you know, even though Jon Snow said this comment, you know, is uh, low-key, it was factual, <laughs> low-key it was factual, but, you know, that aside, you need to realise that your anger is placed in a, is placed in a circle of of privilege. Is placed in a circle of systemic, systemic dominance. You know, you can be offended all you like, but at the end of the day, you need to realise that fragility is won't do anybody any good. That's pretty. That's pretty much it. And you know, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about it you know, fully, uh, in completely in depth, because I have tackled this issue before, so if you want to, you know, go back to previous episodes and listen to some of those, then by all means go listen to it, but I just wanted to read that whole, you know, piece, because it does sum it up a lot, you know, prob- most likely better than I can, so uh, I hope you, hope if, if you were white, and, you know, if you're white and listen to this, and you listen, excuse me, and you listen to me reading that, I hope you got something out of that because it is entirely necessary that you do. <laughs> it really is necessary that you do. So let's get into the next piece of the show, which is as I go back to Evernote. Um, oh yeah, I've done, oh yeah, I've got one more. Only one more to go. Okay, I thought I had, I thought I had another one. Yes, this is sports. So, well, you know, I was I was thinking about not talking about him, but I think I have to, because I, I, I do think it is a interesting story, you know, Tiger Woods finally won the Masters, finally won a major after all these years, and, you know, I watched it from the, th- the, from the second day onwards, I think, like half of the second day, I think I watched highlights of the second day, and then I watched the third and fourth day fully, so, uh, I don't know why I watch the Masters, it's like the only golf tournament I actually watch fully, I, I don't know why, I just like the scenery to be to be honest, and you know, it's just something to watch in April, you know, there's not much to watch in April most of the time, sports wise, so, you know, Flex, you know, hasn't fully come into fruition yet, you know, F1's there, but sometimes, obviously, every fortnight, so, the Masters is in that, you know, it's always an assurity that you know that we're gonna get some some decent television out of it, and you know I don't I don't mind watching some golf now and again. So it's okay. It's an okay sport, and you know since I uh, went to a driving range for the first time like a couple of years ago, about four years ago now probably, and the <laughs> the first time I swung that I swung that driver, I was like, ah, this is hard. <laughs> newfound respect for golfers. Newfound respect. <laughs> 
soon as I swung it first time, I was like, oh, right, okay, there is actually an element of challenge into this. Okay, mm, yeah, let's, 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 let's steer away from this. <laughs> so, newfound respect for golfers. And, you know, this this story about Tiger, I wanted to find a, I wanted to spend a couple of days, you know, for Len, you know, gave ones a, you know, think pieces, and uh, this is this is the best one I found, and one that I enjoyed reading. Uh, this is called uh, Tiger Woods' Victory at the Masters Wasn't Supposed to Happen. This is by Jerry Bembry of The Undefeated. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. As Tiger Woods walked off the 18th green moments after winning the 2019 Masters and Cap won the greatest comebacks in sports history. Pause. Um, I, you, you, everyone's been, everyone's saying like, you know, best uh, comeback in sports history. Uh, I would like to refer to your uh, uh Divert your attention to uh, Mr. Nicky Lauder of uh, 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 you know Formula One. Uh, just I I don't think you can really have a better comeback than you know nearly being burnt alive, uh, nearly dying from those burns, and coming back to win a championship. I, I I don't think you can do a better comeback than that. So you know if we're talking about greatest comebacks of all time, it's Nicky Lauder. Do your research. Look it up. Look up the fire he was in, and then look up look up his face afterwards, before and after. That's a comeback, ladies and gentlemen. That is a comeback. Okay, let's get that straight. But anyway, not to not to shit on Tiger Woods. I just wanted to get out there and and just and just you know put the line down. Okay, Captain, one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. He flipped his putter to the ground in a manner that would have made Yasiel Pre proud, a baseball player. Uh, seconds later, Woods lifted and embraced his ten-year-old son Charlie. Ah, oh, nice, nice name, right? Nice, Charlie Woods. Yeah, it's a good name. I like that. I rate that. Very, 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 very. Um, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm guessing myself. Uh, bringing back memories of the emotional embrace that young Tiger and his father Earl Woods shared to Augusta uh, after Tiger won his first Masters 22 years ago. With Woods ending an 11-year drought in major championships and earning his first win in Augustus since his three-stroke win in a playoff in 2005, the indelible images from his 15th career major win uh, were numerous. Woods' uh, gun-popping plea for his shot to be uh, right on the par 3 16th hole just a moment before he, his ball landed well past the flag, then found a slope, then carried down with the two-feet of pin, it's an easy birdie, and he goes through a couple of highlights. Let's continue. As a nation stood witness to the golf brilliance of a ma- of the man who is perhaps the biggest unifier in this country today, uh, the U.S. Obviously, who else can get president the president Candace Owens, Barack Obama, Serena Williams, and Stephen Curry on the same page? Let's give credit to Woods for overcoming a decade of personal and physical challenges that had haters celebrating his every mistake. The physical issues, the multiple spinal surgeries, the stress factor and torn ACL he combated uh, to win the 2008 US Open, the MCL sprain, the multiple Achilles injuries, sidelined Woods for extended periods of time, and even had him doubting whether he'd play golf again. It was not a fun time, Woods said last year uh, of his 2017 recovery from back operation. Tough couple of years there. But for the personal issues which surfaced after the reports in 2009 that Woods had cheated on his wife were likely bigger challenges for the golfer than any surgical procedure. In an instant, Woods went from one of the most beloved golfers on the planet to living the life of a leper. Late night talk shows host clowned, clowned him. Tabloids and mus- uh, magazines splashed Woods across their front pages in an attempt to boost sales. Jesper Parnovic, uh, who introduced Woods to his wife, said... We probably thought he was a better guy than he is. Some of Woods' lucrative endorsement deals were snatched, and with the universal love for him fading, Woods self-proclaimed 
Cablinasian, Cablinasian, what bloody hell, what a a saying. So, Caucasian, Black, Indian and Asian. Wow, that is is a reach and a half anyway. Uh, Was being judged by the way society viewed him as a black man. Do you think any other golfer who was in the midst of marital issues would have had to step up to a microphone to apologise for his actions in his marriage and admit to having gone to rehab for sex addiction? Do you think Billy Payne, the then chairman of Augusta National, a golf course that barred black golfers until Lee Elder played in the Masters in 1975, would have scolded any other golfer for having relations outside of marriage and the, the way he lashed out at Woods? By the way, Payne, who retired in late 2017, was radio signed in 2014 when Phil Mickelson was implicated in an insider trading scandal. Fair or unfair, Woods became an easy target. His 2017 DUI arrest uh, fueled more criticism, and that increased the number of doubters. Some of the same media people who praised the win by Woods on Sunday have been captured on tape claiming he'd never be victorious again. And I think you, I think uh, if you, if you're on social media, you've seen that video of him, you know, watching a video back of, um, you know, uh, of like people criticizing him, saying he'll never win one. Fun fact: that video, it, he wasn't actually watching that video at the time. It just looked, it just looked good. He actually wasn't watching the video that was being shown next to him. So, you know, just a fun fact on that one. Because I know people have been, you know, plugging that video a lot, and I'm just like. He wasn't actually watching that particular one. It's just, you know, just works because he's pulling looks. Anyway, continuing. On Sunday, Wood proved the haters wrong. He twirled his club as he hit drives down the middle of fairways, pumped his fists as he made crucial putts, and enjoyed every moment of a major tournament victory that many assumed would never happen. But even with the doubters, the fact Woods was in contention on the final day of a major had a nation of sports fan tune in. The NBA and NHL playoffs, the discussion about the upcoming NFL draft, and the early season MLB storylines all took a back seat to golf on Sunday, all because Tiger was back on the prowl. Not long after sinking the, sinking the putt that le- sealed the championship, Woods stood up after his post-match interview for the moment that had eluded him for 14 years. As Patrick Reed, last year's winner, held the jacket for the new winner to put on, Woods could be he- heard saying, Yeah, buddy. If only for a weekend, Woods is back as a major golf champion, and only Woods knows he's uh, the extent of the physical and mental anguish he uh, overcame to get to this moment. Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Vince Lombardi once said, quote, The real glory is being knocked to your knees and then coming back, quote, unquote. After spending the last decade being knocked on his knees, knocked to his knees, Tiger Woods got back on his feet on Sunday and delivered a moment in sports that few of us will ever forget. <sighs> So, yeah, very, very, you know, very good write-up right there by Benry. Um And kind of just puts it all into perspective, you know, the fact that he had all of these, all of this turmoil and, you know, and all the surgeries. And it is true, you know, a couple of years ago, he was pretty much, you know, re- you know cl- the close to retirement. And... If you were, you know, if you're not into golf or any of that, you know, you know, we've just, you know, read an article where, you know, it says it gave him all the challenges and all the challenges he faced. But it was he in terms of, you know, how the US sports media cover him and golf in general, it's very astounding. If you watch any of it, you know, if you, you know, go on ESPN for, you know, an hour and they talk about golf or whatever show you want to want to watch the way they talk about golf is 
either Tiger. Okay, not Tiger's not there. All right, what about Phil Mickelson? Not, no Phil. Ugh, all right, Rory McIlroy. Is he? God's sake. And then Jordan Spieth. Oh, damn. And then it's just everybody else. And, you know, people don't... The majority of people don't care about golf unless Tiger Woods is in it. And he really does have that genuine pull. The only person I can think of that has that much pull on a whole entire sport maybe LeBron James and more actually Floyd Mayweather that's probably a better better description I think you know the way Floyd Mayweather even though his way of boxing is absolute fucking snore to watch um he he just he just gets he gets the numbers he gets the numbers he gets bums on seats he gets eyes glued to the TV and Tiger Woods is exactly the same uh, but except Tiger, from a golf perspective, is probably more enjo- probably more enjoyable. You know, like I said, Floyd's fucking boring to watch box, but people watching box for some reason. You know what I mean? So this is how it goes. But um, yeah, I think those two those two guys have a have such a equity on you know people's interest in that sport, and if they're not there, you know, a, a, a whole chunk of viewership goes with it with them. And I think LeBron James has that, you know, pull as well. Probably not as much because, you know, there's more to, you know, this is golf and boxing is more individualistic and, you know, NBA is more about, obviously, teams. And, you know, they wouldn't really like to have one player have, you know, the enti- an entire league on its knees. And I don't think, it, I don't think he, LeBron James does. He has a lot of power, but I don't think he has much power like that. Um, so, yeah if you if you watch golf you know regularly then it, you know tiger's an added bonus but for some people they don't watch golf unless tiger's in the final in, in he's unless he's in contention wearing that red sh- wearing that you know uh, classic red shirt on sunday people don't tune in unless he's contending and i think that's why he's been so you know coveted well there's a lot of reasons why he's been so coveted but the reason why he's been you know constantly covered in these years where he's still not contending you know they just they just form up different questions so like you know is he is he done you know the amount of times you know uh, US sports media asked that question over the years is he is Tiger done oh wait is he back is he done is he back is he done they basically asked that question they, they basically asked those two questions to themselves for a good five six years and now they can say, obviously, he's back. And but you never know. Maybe after a year, he goes back to Augusta and he does terribly. Excuse me. And they, and they might say, is he done? <laughs> you know, they, might, they might just go straight back to it. But it. But people want to know. People always want to know where Tiger's at. And you, you know, there's some. It's you know, for golfers and overall sport, it's kind of unfortunate because obviously there's a lot of other great players, but it's just how it goes. He just, he just has that pull. You know, it could be a lot of reasons why people you know want to watch Tiger Woods. I won't I won't bother trying to guess, but there are there are a lot of reasons, and <laughs> it is a uh, watching it was you know. You know, like uh, it was very, it was very compelling. It really was compelling to watch. And you know, like Benbury said, it is one of the greatest comebacks in sports. 
you know, from all those surgeries and from, you know, all stemming from the 09 scandal, sex scandal, well, cheating scandal, sorry. And uh, I, I think I remember listening to a couple of podcasts, a couple of sports podcasts where, you know, they were covering that, you know, when he had that press conference about, you know, admitting to cheating. It was very surreal and something that no other, you know, golfer can does have to do. You know what I mean, if if uh, Rory McIlroy cheated, you know, knock on wood, if he <laughs> if he did, then I don't think he'd have to host a press conference about it. You know, I don't think he'd have to do that. I think he'll be covered, but I don't think he'd have to go for a press conference. He'll probably just be asked during tournaments, like you know, just uh, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about golf, but Tiger Woods had to talk about it. So you know, you know, it come it come. It's just a part of the game. As part of his game, as a part of his, uh, you know, overwhelming power over the, over a whole sport. So, um, you know, big up Tiger Woods. Uh, congratulations on the win. And uh, yeah, that's been a uh, that's been episode twenty two of What's Goods. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think that was quite I think that was quite okay. I kind of I really enjoyed that one. <coughs> and uh, yeah, I just I, I just really needed I just really need a drink to be honest. I, I feel like I should halfway through I was like I should pause and get a drink, but I just didn't bother. I just kept going. So you know, because because I'm because I'm a beast like that. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Uh, I'm actually, just a side note, I'm going away on like a, a kind of like writer's retreat. I'm going to do some writing for a few, for a few weeks until, uh, uh, until, you know, the second week of May. So if I don't do what's good or digging in the digits, I will, you know, let everyone know on the necessary social media. But, um, if, if not, then obviously continue with register scheduled programming, but I will, and I'll try to do that, but I'm just letting you guys know that I'm going away and I'm doing my things. So maybe there is a maybe chance that I might not do the show over in the next couple of weeks. Um, so it's kind of in the air. But I will let you guys know uh, if, if, it, if it happens or doesn't happen. I'll, I'll let you know regardless. So with that said, uh, I will end it there. This has been what's good from the Fifth Film Podcast Network. I've been Charlie Taylor. This has been what's good. Hope you, everybody has a great week ahead. And I'll see you next time. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.